It's been, it's been really um, challenging for myself as a Christian, and I'm sure many other Christians in Australia have felt um, almost let down by the, the corporate churches, the publicly spoken churches, and I guess their stance on these restrictions and sort of mandates. But it's really, um, I think, got a lot of us Christians reading our Bible, really um, getting into the theology of the church and the role of the church. And it's, it's been good personally for myself and I'm sure other Christians in getting us back to the word, like and really studying it, trying to figure out, are we rendering to Caesar right now things that belong to Christ? Welcome to the Christian Emergency Podcast, a podcast for Christians spooked by the growing hostility in the culture today. We will tackle a range of topics from current events, persecution, missions, and what it means to be the church. You will gain valuable insights from those experienced working with persecuted Christians around the world, insights we all need to chew on in these strange days. Together, may we help the church stand. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Christian Emergency Podcast. I'm Andy Coleman, your host, and today we are going to be discussing the plight of Christians in Australia. I am joined by an Australian Christian today, Evelyn Ray. She lives in Australia. She's a writer. She's a Christian and cultural commentator. She has a background in law enforcement. She's worn a few different hats, but she's got a perspective that I think we need to hear. Evelyn, thank you so much for taking some time to join us today. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for, for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I briefly touched on some of your background. Would you introduce yourself a little bit more to our audience just to set the stage? Yeah, no problem. So as you said, I um, have a very sort of diverse sort of background. I um, was in law enforcement. I was a detective in Australia for 12 years. Um, so I joined when I was 18 um, and yeah, I recently resigned in 2020 where I sort of started to write and commentate for a Christian conservative website called Cauldron Pool, uh, which is in Australia. And yeah, I sort of started tackling the culture war, the, you know, the war on Christianity. Um, and I tried to sort of use my background in law enforcement to sort of help understand a lot of the legislation over here in Australia and my sort of opinion on the practicality of that. So that's a little bit of my background. Um, I've been a Christian and sort of grew up in a Christian family, um, but kind of took it on for myself um, in my early 20s, um, shortly after joining the police force. So that's a little bit about my myself. That's a great background to, to lend to this conversation today. I think you're going to think through it analytically. You are thinking through it like that in that lens. One of the reasons why I was excited to have you on is because Australia has been in the news some around the world. It's been alarming just to see some of the trends that are happening there, um, some extreme measures that have been put in place. Um, it seems like a lot of people are really struggling in Australia, but from the Christian perspective, we didn't hear a lot. We don't see a lot. And I have to imagine this is really applying a lot of pressure to the local church. So it's an invaluable insight that you're going to provide today, and I really hope our listeners take a lot away from it. 
What is it like today to be a biblical Christian in Australia? Yeah, so, uh, you know, you would think being, um, you know, from Australia and the fact that, you know, we come from the crown, from England, you would think that we would have a little bit more of a Christian-type culture over here, being that, you know, that's kind of what built upon Western nations. But, um, you know, unfortunately, we are a very uh, agnostic and uh, non-religious sort of country by culture. So I think if you look at America and and other sort of um, Western nations, what, what makes Australia different is that we really separate our church and state, whereas I think America is different culturally. Like if you're patriotic, you know, you're not ashamed and you're not apologetic for saying that God gave you your rights. You're not apologetic for sort of publicly saying that you are a Christian and praying out loud, whereas Australia culturally, as soon as you say you're a Christian, you've almost lost the debate or the discussion because it almost culturally speaking, discredits you. Um, And Australia, like we have uh, Scott Morrison, who is our prime minister, he has uh, been criticised quite heavily for being a Christian. Um, And, you know, he unfortunately, for, for myself, I've been very disappointed. I had a lot of hope the fact that we had an open Openly Christian uh, Prime Minister over here in Australia, but you know, for his Christmas message, I don't think he even mentioned the word Jesus when he addressed the nation. Um, and so it's almost like he has hidden that side of himself, and um, it's it's become a point of shame, and it discredits his apparently it discredits his leadership. So he does he won't really um, use his faith as a measure for his politics. So. You know, culturally speaking, um, we've denied Christ in Australia. And culturally speaking, if you are a Christian, you are looked down upon by large portions of our society. Um, So I found that in myself, like with my commentating, um, you know, my worldview and where I get my ultimate authority from, from, which is Christ, which is the written word of of Christ, the Bible, um, that's almost like I'm not allowed to do that according to Australian culture. And um, it's, it's silly of me to do that. So I think um, culturally speaking, it's really um, made it difficult for Christians, especially during everything that's happened with the pandemic, because we've already for such a long time, not really been allowed to speak publicly about our faith and we're kind of mocked and looked down upon. And I guess looking at these, restrictions and these mandates and the church's response to the pandemic, um, the thing that you need to lean on the most is Christ's word and and his law and his ultimate authority. But we have been looked down upon as using that as our um, moral compass. So it's a pretty tough spot for a Christian and for our church to kind of be in and to have a voice in this sort of spectrum. A couple points on that that I would just raise. You're describing how Christians have really been looked down upon, that if you uh, publicly share your faith in any kind of conversation, it it kills the conversation, it stops right there, Um, or that it's really uncomfortable. It's just you're made to to really feel almost shame about identifying with Jesus Christ. 
I would just encourage any Australians that are listening to this or Christians around the, the world who are struggling in their own cultural context that it's worth leaning into that discomfort. I would just own it and be like, if this is going to feel weird or strange, then it's going to feel weird or strange, but this is where I stand and I'm going to lean into it. And I think powerful things happen when we do that, and others are going to watch that too. Others are going to find their voice when they see Christians such as yourself that are not intimidated and are willing to publicly identify with Christ. So uh, I hope that uh, some hear that and, and maybe take a baby step of faith, of action, um, in that regard. And another thing, what you're describing is similar to patterns I've seen with persecuted Christians um, in the Middle East, in Central Asia, um, other parts of the world, and they really feel alone because they're living in a culture, a context uh, that doesn't recognize Christ, where it's almost a Christian viewpoint is viewed as alien and strange. But I want to remind those listeners, those Christians, that there's a trap, there's a trick of the enemy at play here, and that is to make us feel like we're all alone, that we're isolated, that we're cut off. We need to be reminded that we're actually part of this huge body, that we're tapped in, that we're a, a piece of the global body of Christ, and that we're ma- we're actually massive. There's a lot of us, and we're praying for one another, and as we learn more about one another, we can do, we can tailor that prayer, we can intercede on behalf of each other. We can't allow ourselves to feel isolated and cut off. We need to remind ourselves that we're tapped in. So it sounds challenging as a Christian in Australia. Tell us about the churches. What's the experience of the churches right now in Australia? Yeah, it's been um, it's been difficult because uh, you know we have a call together, and you know it's it's not a call together on Zoom or uh, Skype or an online thing. Like, sure, there is. I guess, a purpose to those things for, you know, potentially people who are unwell and can't gather in person for, you know, whatever reasons they might be suffering or injured. Um, But collectively speaking, the church has a call to gather and have fellowship in person. And it's been challenging because we have been in and out of restrictions and lockdowns since about March of 2020. So we are going on close to two years of having an interrupted uh, fellowship and gathering um, as a church. So me, for example, um, I could not even tell you the last time that I met for church in person with my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and um, it's it hasn't been a nice feeling because, you know, we are called together and it's almost um, rejecting something that we're called to do, which is completely unnatural to the spirit. But it's been, it's been really um, challenging for myself as a Christian and I'm sure many other Christians in Australia have felt um, almost let down by the, the corporate churches, the public you know, publicly spoken um, churches and I guess their stance on these restrictions and sort of mandates. But it's really, um, I think, got a lot of us Christians reading our Bible, really um, getting into the theology of the church and the role of the church. Um, And it's, it's been good personally for myself and I'm sure other Christians in getting us back to the word, like, and really studying it because 
I think, unfortunately, this is part of one of the flaws of our culture is we're very lazy and we don't like to read ourselves. We like to just be fed information. And so we've really, as Christians, had to break that in our culture and really start to read. And, you know, you don't have to have a Bachelor of Theology to be able to read the Bible and um, understand it. So I think a lot of us are really getting back into the Word and trying to figure out are we rendering to Caesar right now things that belong to Christ or is this how the church should be responding during a pandemic? And sadly, there's been a lot of division amongst churches and amongst church leaders as to whether that is the case. Um, Myself and people in my circles within um, the Christian faith over here in Australia are very much on the side to now we're entering into the realm of rendering the church to Caesar and the church does not belong to Caesar. It belongs to Christ. And is this, you know, like the midwives in the Bible, how they were told they had to kill the first ones and they, they disobeyed the government at that particular time and chose not to kill the first one. Um, And is this the same as Daniel who decided to pray when he was told not to. And a lot of us who think similarly to myself believe that this is that moment for us where, you know, essentially we don't want to invite the government to take control of the pulpit. And that's exactly what we're doing. So there's a lot of fractures, unfortunately, within churches and within Christians at the moment in Australia based on everybody's theological understanding of, of that. I hope for our audience, because some of our audience is going to be living in, frankly, freer areas, um, freer, freer areas of the West. There's a lot of people that are going to be hearing you and, and recognizing that that's their own circumstance right now. But I, I want to point out that even if our listeners are in, for example, parts of America that they've been able to worship now for over a year, they have no problems, no restrictions on coming together. We can't forget those of the body who are still in this mire, in this mess. We need to be praying for them. We need to be praying for those circumstances. Yeah, so that's that's really serious. Almost two years of cascading church closures, of preventing the church from coming together, actually being together in person, praying for one another, loving one another, being involved in each other's lives. And it's been described in, in other church settings. You know, there have been pressures in Canada and in, in Europe. And they've described all the challenges that people are going through from just their mental health, their spiritual well-being, the struggles that they're going through, and the real need right now for churches to be meeting and loving on people and preaching the Word and sharing truth when there's so much darkness around us. So we will return to the podcast momentarily, but first, a word from our sponsor. Being a Christian today can be hard. This is true if you live in a heavily persecuted country like Iran or areas where cultural pressures against Christians are growing fast, like America and Europe. Fortunately, none of us have to stand alone. We are part of a giant body, one huge spiritual family that spans the globe. That is the church. The Christian Emergency Alliance is committed to helping the church stand, regardless of the pressures to come. As a 501c3 nonprofit, the Christian Emergency Alliance strives to help our spiritual family when persecution hits. We also strengthen the church by supporting ministry that makes Christ famous, defends biblical truth, and prepares fellow believers for challenges ahead. You have the opportunity to make a huge impact in this work today. 
Become a monthly financial ally of the Christian Emergency Alliance by signing up at ChristianEmergency.com. Your support of $25 a month or a gift in any amount will bless those who need help in these darkening days. Help the church stand today, tomorrow, and in the days to come. Register today at www.ChristianEmergency.com. And now, back to the show. I like what you shared, Evelyn, about how people are turning to the Bible. There are some good things happening here spiritually, and they are rediscovering that there's a lot that God has revealed about himself that we can look to. We may not have seminary degrees. And actually, frankly, Evelyn, I think that it's the lay people, the people in the pews that are really growing the most right now in this season. I'm, I'm hopeful that more and more pastors are going to be disquieted by what they see, and they too will be stepping up and shepherding more of their flocks, but it's lay people. It's just normal men and women in the pews who are recognizing that this isn't right, and they're going to the Word, and they're recognizing that, hey, there are distinctions. We don't. It's not just Romans 13, Romans 13, and that's all there is to it. If that was true, we would look back in our history books and see that Christians in, in Germany shouldn't have done anything in the 1930s, that they they would have been most appropriate just to stay quiet as pressure's built over there. Um, I'm not trying to make a, a false equivalence uh, between different settings, but it does recognize that the church has a voice, that it does need to speak in, it does need to encourage its, its followers, it needs to speak in on issues of morals, of morality, what is right and what is wrong. There's a lot at play here. You're just, the description of the division brewing between different interpretations of the church, that we've seen that in many places. So, yeah, it just seems like it's very pronounced there in Australia. That must be very difficult for you personally, for your friends. Um, I, and I do pray that things will break. I think that things will break in your direction. In Australia, are the pressures pretty uniform across the country or are there areas where maybe some churches are able to quietly meet or they have local leadership that's running top cover for them, that's protecting them? There's you know, this doctrine of the lesser magistrates where maybe local officials, those who aren't in as high position, are taking stands on behalf of their local populations. Is anything like that going on in Australia? Not really. <laughs> um, so... We've had a couple of uh, local sort of churches meet regardless of the restrictions that have been placed on Australian citizens. But unfortunately, just to give you a bit of a perspective, and this is coming from more of an analytical law enforcement perspective, as you know, I served for such a long time. I have a lot of connections and some friends of mine who are still serving in the police force um, have shared with me that they are getting up to 5,000 calls to the police every single day from neighbors snitching, which is like dibber dobbing, calling the police on each other for, for non-compliance with the restrictions. So what we're seeing is if churches are meeting and they're defying these restrictions and they've decided that no, the government is not going to run the church and they continue to meet and gather, we have had uh, those churches have had multiple phone calls from people in the neighborhood who have reported them to the police and there are no real police who are working with the community and who are um, 
actively trying to, you know, allow this to sort of happen. So the police have been coming and finding churches up to $80,000 or more. Um, and the only real pushback we've seen from churches in Australia is through different statements and declarations um, and things like that, that they've sort of done online and shared and tried to get some sort of, um, I guess, holistic joint uh, support from churches around Australia with. And so that's the Ezekiel Declaration and the Moses Statement and the No Segregated Services um, sort of statements. And, you know, like they've had about 40,000 signatures on on the Ezekiel Declaration and about out of that 40,000, about 3,000 ministers have, you know, kind of um, signed that. But in terms of meeting and defying the government and having the support from local things like you mentioned it's non-existent here and we're kind of yeah we're kind of in in a bit of a crossroads so at the moment um as of i think it was last week um we we did have a win for the church over here in that non-vaccinated people are attending church services now um but prior to last week we weren't allowed to so there's been a lot of segregation um, in a lot of the churches and some of these pushbacks have been ministers who have said no to that, which has been encouraging, but not on the scale that you would hope or you would want um, for a country that has 25 million people um, only having about 3,000 ministers out of 25 million residents. Um, yeah, you'd hope it was a little bit higher, the, the right. number, and there'd be a lot more support. Um but that's sort of where we're at at the moment with, with the pushback over here from the church. So that's the situation right now. There are Christians that are going to be listening to this, and they're going to be coming from different places. They're in different spots right now. And I hope that those that are, to this point, fallen on the other side, where they really think that the best policy is to stay quiet, the best policy is to comply with every governmental edict, that I, I just hope that tenderly they're they're reconsidering that and they're recognizing that they do have an obligation to Christ and to their congregations and that they really pray through that and walk through that and uh start to take some action what you're describing is discouraging about people ratting out other people and unfortunately i assume that that's probably encouraged by governing authorities but I think what's so helpful right now is, as Christians, we can rediscover our history. What we'll discover is that a lot of what we're experiencing isn't new. This has been done before. The church has had to deal with circumstances like this before. What comes immediately to my mind is like East Germany, talking with Christians that grew up, lived in East Germany. They had the Stasi, the the secret police, and they were paying everybody. There was informants everywhere very difficult to to be a believer in those circumstances where you were not following official dictates and that and yet they found workarounds they found ways to still faithfully follow Christ and even still like in this circumstance even find ways to fellowship to to come together even if it's just to a handful um but to to be able to do that so i think that's important for us is just to reclaim some of our history to rediscover that and you mentioned, okay, these statements, I'm actually grateful for statements like you're describing, even if it's not the ultimate measure, but I, I think it's good as a first step. 
you mentioned the Ezekiel Declaration. Can you just briefly tell us about that? Yeah, so the Ezekiel Declaration was written by some ministers over here in Australia who were opposed to vaccine passports for worship services. So over here, um, it was sort of, I guess you could say, there was a lot of discernment amongst uh, really godly Christian leaders, like really good ones who um, could see could foresee the future of where Australia and the Church of Australia was headed. There were lots of hints, lots of whispers that worship services wouldn't be offered to people who didn't have a vaccine passport. It wasn't official by the government. Um, a lot of people at the time when these ministers raised concern said, now is not the time to oppose this sort of thing. The government hasn't said these things yet. So we don't need to get our knickers in a twist. Everybody just calm down. And these particular ministers who wrote these equal declarations said, well, no, this is happening. This is a trajectory straight towards segregation and division in the church. And we want to act on it now. So they wrote the Ezekiel Declaration opposing the vaccine passports for worship services. And interestingly enough, one week later, the government brought it in and made it statewide that you weren't allowed to um, go to church without being vaccinated and having a vaccine passport. So it was incredible. The ministers, they had incredible insight and wisdom and discernment on the matter And they wrote this to try and get some support. And so I think about 40,000 signatures across Australia were received, which were basically members of a church who um, were in agreement with what these ministers sort of put in this declaration. Um, And I think there was three to 4,000 ministers who also opposed vaccine passports for worship services. And so that kind of did the rounds. Um, And yeah, as I said, it got a lot of pushback and it got a lot of um, criticism from the church. And interestingly enough, um, it's like, you know, the church, like largely speaking, the denominations, the leaders, the public Christians, the only thing that they've collectively joint forces and condemned as a force is this Ezekiel declaration, not the mandates, not the tyranny not the rendering to Caesar what belongs to Christ. The church couldn't get together on that, but what they did get together and what they did attack was this Ezekiel declaration and were these ministers and members of the churches who actually spoke out against the vaccine passports. And that was really disheartening because I was very impressed as a Christian to see these ministers happy to put their name on this declaration and publicly declare, we are with you. And we oppose these vaccine passports for worship services. That was really encouraging. But then to see their own church denominations and the corporate church and these big public churches all get together and go against something that would stand for non-segregation, I honestly could not believe my eyes when I saw that. Um, And as I said, they couldn't all get together for, for a common purpose and something good Um, but they certainly could get together for the common purpose of um, criticising the ministers who were trying to do something to keep churches going in Australia at the time. Yeah, similarly, there was a Moses statement um, and that particular statement, similarly to the Ezekiel Declaration, was calling on the government to let churches to return and to not deem public worship as non-essential because basically we have been 
limited with our freedoms and our movements and what we're allowed to do in Australia. And if something is deemed as an essential, we're allowed to do it, whether we're vaccinated or unvaccinated. For example, we can go to retail, uh, not, not retail, so we can go to essential retail, like grocery shopping, but I'm not allowed to go get clothes, um, things like that. And what we have seen is just a really illogical approach to what is essential and what is non-essential because liquor stores and tobacconists and brothels um, and, you know, <laughs> and hardware stores have been deemed as essential I'm a, I, I would have been allowed to go to a brothel because that's deemed an essential service, but I wasn't allowed to go to church because church was deemed as non-essential. And so what this Moses statement did similarly to the Ezekiel declaration is ministers got together and wrote another letter, another statement to send to the government, to the prime minister and to get signatures, basically calling on the government to allow churches to return and to change it so that churches would then be deemed as essential so people could go. Yeah, is it, isn't that just so, isn't it crazy? I could go to a brothel. I can go buy a six-pack from the liquor store, um, but I can't go to church and, and, and worship in a church service. It's just yeah. that's how ridiculous Australia has been. What a massive disconnect. I applaud uh, the people that put pen to paper, that made those declarations, that took a stand. Did the Moses statement get the, get panned in the same way that the Ezekiel declaration did? Did people get pushback from within the church for, for taking that stand? Mm. Yeah, there's been um, a lot of targeted sort of pushback um, for all of the ministers who are talking out against what's happening um, there was another sort of similar to these two declarations and statements about no segregated services, which was basically when the church opens, um, they're against segregation and against separating vaccinated and non-vaccinated. And, you know, um, unfortunately, um, the churches has sort of come out sort of publicly against these ministers saying that, you know, what they're doing is dangerous and that people are a bit selfish for not being vaccinated and not and that means you're not loving your neighbor and sadly what i have seen and what i'm sure many other christians have seen is that the vaccine has become the messiah it's become the deliverer and our mm-hmm. church leaders have shown more care for these mandates than they have ever shown concern over obeying god's laws Um, And to watch Christians publicly shame other Christians for things that are biblical and godly and right has been heartbreaking because how can you, if, if you truly have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you and you are the temple for the Holy Spirit, you know, as it says in the Bible, you will know them by their fruits. How as a Christian can you condemn somebody for saying we don't want to segregate who can worship and who can't? I can't see honestly how anybody who has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them and is bearing good fruits, you know, goodness and kindness and joy and self-discipline. How can people, how can people stand against ministers who are doing God's work? I, I honestly was very disheartened by it. And I think a lot of people who sort of, obviously think 
the same as me have just been so disappointed in how the church has responded to everything going on. I mean, as you said, I, you know, Rome, everybody keeps talking about Romans 13 and you just don't realize how bad a person's theology is until they start talking about Romans 13, because it's just been the center of conversation and everybody keeps falling back on Romans 13 and Romans 13 and Romans 13. And I'm like, do you actually know what Romans 13 means? Have you actually studied it properly? Because I don't know if you have studied it properly how you can take the stand on the side of history that says if you are unvaccinated, you can't go to church. At one stage, we had our government telling us we can go to church, but we're only allowed this many people per square meters of the building to church. And when you do go to church, you are not allowed to sing. You are not allowed to stand up. So they actually specified that if, you know, my, my church, for example, is a small little church and we were only allowed 20 people per service. And so they had to split up the church. You, you can only come at this time of the day because if, there's, if you come at this service, there's too many people. So we had to schedule and in times that we were allowed to go to church. And when you went in there, we had to check in. We had to wear masks. We were told we weren't allowed to, to stand up and sing to God during the service. We had to sit down and remain silent. It's been really sort of challenging to, to see people not see and understand the theology around the role of a church, the purpose of a church, and, you know, how, in fact, that, you know, Caesar doesn't own the church. And yes, render to Caesar things that belong to Caesar. You know, Christ said that, but things that belong to him, which is the church, unfortunately, the government doesn't, but the church just has not really recognized that it's been, um, it's been really, it's been really hard, but to not be completely negative, um, you know, the guy who um, founded Cauldron Pool, who I who I write for, he put out an incredible post the other week, which actually encouraged me a lot looking into the future is that so many people are now stepping up. There are so many people who thought they would never be a minister or run a church who are now saying, I'm going to start my own church and I'm going to start trying to get a community together who will stand up against Caesar. Ben Davis wrote specifically at the end, there's a new generation of shepherds coming and it's exciting. And I think that it's important whilst recognizing where we're at and where the church is at, I think it's super important for people around the world to see how quickly this can spiral into China, into communist China, where basically, you know, the communist party is running the church. Um, I think people need to see that this is where we're headed but also be encouraged that we're sorting the wheat from the chaff. And, Absolutely. you know, similarly to when, when, you know, when God speaks and when he spoke, the mountains trembled. And it's like when he's, when he's speaking, it, it teaches us, you know, it teaches us to hold on to things that are eternal as opposed to fictitious things that are just going to crumble away. And just like an earthquake, when things aren't, solid they fall off the shelves and we're seeing these so-called christians as god is speaking we're seeing them fall off the shelf and it's those of us who are firmly rooted and solid that are remaining and i think it was calvin who said you know if god wants to judge a nation he gives them bad leaders 
And I mean, how can we not be judged with what we've done in Australia? We've just let in euthanasia. We've just let in late-term abortion. We've let in all these things and we've mocked God and we've mocked everything that he stands for. So I truly believe we are a nation under his judgment. He is speaking and, you know, he's, he's teaching us to hold on to the things that are eternal and that are true. So even though things seem pretty dire, things seem pretty discouraging, there, there is good that is coming out of this. And I think all these false foundations, these false Christians, these wolves in sheep's clothing are being exposed. And maybe that's a good thing as we move forward. Maybe that's a good thing for the new generation of shepherds. I think so. I think we are in a powerful season of revealing. Our true nature is being shown. I do think that there are elites among us who are more concerned about influence, about being on the right side of history from their, from a, a vantage point that's really void of biblical perspective. If we have elite Christian leaders who are chasing crowds and are trying to please their cultural, their governmental, their media overlords, it's, it's not going to go well. We need to be chasing Christ. And that is, you're, you're right to, to sound that encouraging note. This is raising up people who, who see that they need to step into this gap, and they're, and they're doing that. We're on the front leading edge of that. I'm excited. Boy, the challenges you guys are facing in Australia are very mature, pronounced, and they came swiftly. That's what I'm taking away from all of this. And what a warning to Christians around the world. Don't presume that these things will take a long time to percolate. These can move very fast. I am so grateful, again, for those pastors, those ministers who took it upon themselves to write the Ezekiel Declaration, to write the Moses Statement. We're going to put those in our show notes so our listeners can go and find those. I did read through them, and I found them very gracious. I found them very tenderly worded, very sincere. I also looked at some of the the pastors who wrote uh, against these statements, against the Ezekiel Declaration at least, and I, I wasn't sure that I had read the same document. It seemed very harsh. It was a very harsh rendering of it. I, I would encourage anybody, especially in Australia, if you've only seen the criticism and you haven't read the documents yourselves, because really it looked like in, in some of those efforts they were trying to prevent people from even considering signing their name to it because they, they took a very dark view of how it was written. Read the document for yourself. See if there's anything in there that you truly find objectionable, and if not, maybe it's something you need to put your, your name on as a pastor or as a, as a lay person. Yeah, I was discouraged by kind of the—it almost appeared to be a false narrative in some sense that was painted in respect to these documents. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful that some Christian leaders are recognizing that they have to— it is it speak prophetically truth to power. They're speaking on moral issues, issues that affect their congregants. Um, they're they're not they're not seeking to get partisan or political. In my understanding, most of the political parties have really in Australia have signed up. Uh, they're they're aligned on these issues. They, these church leaders aren't favoring one over the other. They're just speaking out on behalf of their congregants and on truth. And we do need to be very careful in our churches of what we're doing. Some people bristle when we say the term segregation in our churches, but that is what's happening. You're segregating this group of people from that group of people, and they're being forced to. There's attempts to force church leaders to do that, and some church leaders are doing that voluntarily. He, even here in 
the United States. There's a very prominent church in New York City um, with a very prominent pastor, and they are segregating people based off their vaccine status. That should disturb all of us. All of us should step back and recognize that for what it is. It's very dark. For any Christians out there that are listening to this, and they're like, man, we need more context. We need more discernment, like Evelyn said. There are groups out there. We're one of them. The Christian Emergency Alliance is is working to produce evergreen content covering these topics, related topics on history, on faith, on theology, on persecution, um, on these types of podcasts. They can go back and find many of these issues addressed by thoughtful individuals who have been around the block before. So I would encourage them. I would direct them to, to find some of that. Evelyn, is there anything that Christians outside of Australia could do to support in these types of um, efforts? Would it be of any value if Christians in Finland or Germany or Latin America or the United States signed those declarations, those statements, or is that really for Australia only? I think at this stage, those particular um, declarations and statements were done in Australia and sort of submitted to our Australian government. But, you know, in saying that, there is like there is potential in the future for us to all collectively work together because those of us who are signing these declarations and who are kind of standing up against what is happening to the church in Australia right now, we do somewhat feel quite alone. So even just reaching out to those ministers who are putting everything on the line for their community, even reaching out to them directly to their specific churches. I mean, their their details will all be in there and, and just asking these ministers, what can we do to help? Because yes. our Australian government isn't interested in helping the church. Our corporate leaders and our public leaders in within the church here have written out against these ministers. And like all persecution, yes, we pick up your cross and and follow me. You know, and whilst, you know, we we keep in mind that before they hated me, they hated him. Yes. When you're in these hard times and you are being persecuted, it comes with many challenges, especially for some of these ministers who have families that they need to provide for. So stepping away from the corporate church and bringing on their own church might mean, you know, they, they lose their home that the church has provided for their family for however many years. I, I don't know any specifics and I'm not speaking about any minister in specific, but I mean, just letting these ministers know that they're being prayed for, they're being supported from across the world is a real comfort. I know I've found that I'm not even, a, I'm not a minister, I never will be, but, but you know, that, that's another theological matter. But, you know, I, I'm just a Christian over here who is struggling with finding where I fit right now and trying to find a church and and a group of people who are like-minded to me. That's been really hard. It's been good. It's been sanctifying, but it's been challenging. So just the support that I've gotten internationally from people just saying, I'm praying for you, Evelyn, and I'm here. It's been so lovely. So I think if people want to support, I mean, go on to Cauldron Pool um, it's spelled in the way that Narnia spelled it, not like the cauldron <laughs> mixing ah. saying, but yeah, cauldronpool.com. And if you go into the Ezekiel declaration, the Moses statement, all these things, the minister's names are there. It's not hard to look them up. I'm sure they would appreciate people just showing them encouragement, just encourage. Like it's amazing what a simple word of encouragement can do for your spirit. 
um, and to spark you and to get motivated to keep going. Yes. It's amazing when like what that can do. So maybe do that. Reach out to um, Ben Davis at Cauldron. He started um, Cauldron Pool back in 2017 and he's very well connected with the Church of Australia. Um, so I'm sure he would be able to direct people to ministers um, and things like that who were involved in the declarations. But I think that's probably the best way of supporting um, people right now um, and just getting it out there. I think the best thing that we can do and the world can do is learn from our mistakes over here and um, not make the same mistakes. So, you know, um, I think, you know, awareness and history, like you've mentioned so much, look at our only very recent history uh, to just see what can happen if you're not careful and if you put your head in the sand and if you're not reading your Bible and if you go, oh, it's just for two weeks, well, they said that to us back in March 2020 and we're now in November 2021 and this is the longest two weeks I've ever experienced yeah. in my life. It's so it's very, so I think that's probably the best way to support Christians in Australia sort of right now. Okay, well, we have our marching orders then. Um, we need to be praying for the believers in Australia. Uh, listeners, pray for Evelyn. Evelyn, we are encouraged by your your courage, your perspective, your faithfulness. But hey, to our listeners, if you're a pastor, I don't any country you're in, talk to your congregation about the Christians of, of Australia. Lead them in praying for them. If you're a Sunday school leader, if you're just a, in a small group with other Christians, bring this up. Pray for them. Um, let's intercede on behalf of the Christians of Australia. And to anybody in Australia that is listening to this, I would encourage you to pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ who are also facing persecution in countries like China, in Afghanistan. There is something very powerful that when we get when we connect this way, even just prayerfully, something powerfully happens. Um, the spirit moves, but it also reminds us. It takes sometimes our eyes off of our ourselves. We're navel gazing. We're looking at our own circumstances, but we're reminded that there are other Christians in the spiritual trenches with us. So Australian pastors, Australian Christians, if you're leading Sunday school groups, pray, lead your groups, lead uh, and inform those around you of those that are in, in dire straits as well. Pray for them. And something wonderful comes out of this, and that is, as these pressures build, it really breaks down this false notion that there's there's us and then there's them. There's us free Christians, and then there's you know Christians under pressure in uh, communist countries, uh, in Iran, no, it's really just us. We're the global body. We're the church. We're in this this fight together. We're in this mix. And I love that. I love connecting those dots. Um, so we need to be in prayer for one another. Evelyn, you've really shown some some wonderful light into all of this. As we wrap up, is there anything that you would want to leave our listeners with uh, that you haven't already touched on? And are there other ways that if our listeners wanted to follow your work, they could do so? Yeah, thanks again for having having me on. Um, it's been really nice that we have sort of been able to get some international attention with everything going on, but especially um, I was encouraged from a Christian point of view because, you know, when we look a lot at our freedoms and things, a lot of the time 
people just see it as freedom. But as a Christian, we see it as our God-given rights. Like we were inherited with them and God's our ultimate authority. And the government isn't the one who gives us these freedoms. It's Christ. And so I've been super encouraged by having this conversation with you. Um, And, you know, I just really want to encourage people who might be listening to just, if you're going to a church where one of your ministers is struggling um, with knowing what to do, like, please just um, have a look at these declarations that I mentioned because it's not relevant to just Australia. These points, I think there's eight in the Ezekiel Declaration and, and the Moses Statement, like they're things that you can take away and read and look at yourself, read the Bible. And I always say, if you read the news or if you read an article, or if you read a statement, have it in one hand and have your Bible in the other hand and look at it through that joint lens. Um, and so please do that and then really get on top of your ministers and your church and their position on things early because you don't want you know, a catalyst to set off the, this sort of trajectory into where Australia has, has gone. I mean, the church, we had three ministers back in 2018 who marched against late-term abortion, three Presbyterian ministers. That was it which is, you know, they, they couldn't get off their butts for, yeah. for the killing of babies. And, and we've just had this notion just putting our head in the sand for too long and now it's here and it's confronting us in the face and we need to now more than ever really get together and really challenge each other um, and encourage each other to actually read the Bible and to, and to do what the Bible says and not what we've just been told to do, start reading ourselves. But, yeah. Thank you again for having me on. Um, you can follow me. I'm on all social media things, um, Evelyn Ray, but I, I write for Cauldron Pool. All of my authored works are sort of published on that. And, yeah, thanks again for having me on. I feel like we're getting more support internationally than from within our own country, which is um, which is, which is interesting. But I'm encouraged that there are so, as you said, the body is, across the whole world. And that's something I'm really seeing and I'm encouraged by. So, Yep. And, you know, God often moves most powerfully when we're in our weakest state. So may God move powerfully through uh, the churches of Australia. Great points in the fact that the the statements that have been drafted are really solid and they do, they, they should be considered outside of Australia. They might be a great template for pastors in other countries where similar pressures are brewing. So there are good things going forward in all of this. Evelyn, you've really blessed us with your time. You have an open invitation to, to join us if, if other things break. We'll be praying for you. We're thankful for you, and we're thankful for faithful Christians around this world, but particularly in Australia right now. We're thinking of them, we're praying for them, and we hope that they know that. Thanks again. Thanks so much. All right. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us today for the Christian Emergency Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends about us and ask them to subscribe as well. To learn more about the Christian Emergency Alliance or financially invest in our ministry, visit us at www.christianemergency.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you again for listening and stand strong out there.